0: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify.
1: Hey folks, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's on us, our gift to you. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and find out how easy it is. I hear it's that easy.
2: Musicals with cheese, it's that easy. It's that easy. It's that easy.
1: Okay, let's get on to the real show. Also, this show is made possible by kind donations on our Patreon. Those are John Donna, Stephanie L., and Terry Needleman. Thank you all for your donations. And if you'd like to become a patron, just go over to patreon.com slash musicalswithcheese. Just go to patreon.com slash musicalswithcheese and you can submit a donation per episode and you would help support us in making the show. This is not required, but if you do it, you get a few cool perks. So go on to patreon.com slash musicalswithcheese and show us some love. All right, got on to the real show now. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, the podcast where I try to
2: get Andrew to like musical theater more. How are you today, Andrew? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I actually just got accepted. Uh, I'm going to be playing Angel in the new Rent production.
1: Um, I'm afraid you can't do that because I'm going to cut up your passport.
2: I've got your passport and you you can't do that. Jess, Jess, you can't do this, Jess. I I got it. I got it. You know, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be in Rent. I love Rent so much. I wear a rent t-shirt every single day. That's the only t-shirt you have.
1: (laughs) So in case you didn't catch that very subtle reference to only the film version of Hedwig and the Angry Inch,
2: we are watching (laughs) Hedwig and the Angry Inch this week. Only the film version. Wow, what a great reference I made there.
0: on the side.
1: Hedwig and the Angry Inch is a rock musical with music and lyrics by Stephen Trask and a book by John Cameron Mitchell. The musical follows Hedwig Robinson, a transgender East German singer of a fictional rock and roll band. The story draws on Mitchell's life as the son of a U.S. Army Major General who once commanded the U.S. sector of the occupied West Berlin. The character of Hedwig was inspired by a German divorced U.S. Army wife who was Mitchell's babysitter and moonlighted as a prostitute out of her trailer park home in Junction City, Kansas. The music is steeped in androgynous 70s glam rock style of David Bowie, as well as the work of John Lennon, as well as early punk performers such as Lou Reed and Iggy Pop. The musical opened Off-Broadway in 1998 and won the Obie Award and the Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Off-Broadway Musical. The production ran for two years and was remounted with various casts by the original creative team in other U.S. cities. In 2000, the musical had a West End production, and it had been produced throughout the world in hundreds of stage productions. In 2014, the show saw its first Broadway incarnation that opened at the Belasco Theater, winning the year's Tony Award for Best Revival of a Musical, and that production starred Neil Patrick Harris as well in 2000 it was adapted to film directed by john cameron mitchell as well as starring john cameron mitchell and that is the only production that andrew has seen himself i also listened to the soundtrack
2: and i don't know which soundtrack it was was it (laughs) neil patrick harris it wasn't neil patrick harris no but I don't think it was the film soundtrack So um, it was just kind of... Excuse me, sir, when
1: found. it's not a film, it's called a cast record. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of Hedwig and the Angry Inch?
2: It's definitely a thing that exists that I have seen now. I take it,
1: Andrew, didn't love it nearly as much as Jessica. Are you talking about yourself in third person? <laughs> yes, yes, I am narrating this experience for everyone here. That's so
2: excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Jess, for being the uh, voice of narration. If
1: I don't do it, nobody will. So, are you leaning to positive, leaning negative? What do you feel, Andrew?
2: I don't think I am leaning either direction. And honestly, I'm not even sure what to think of it.
1: It's unlike anything we've ever covered. Like, you can't really compare it to anything else we've done. I could definitely compare it
2: to a few things. What
1: would you compare it to?
2: Thematically, you could definitely bring in rent. And then music-wise, you could probably bring in Rent.
1: (laughs) So you're just comparing
2: it to Rent is the the opinion I'm getting.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. I'm not comparing it to Rent. The movie compared itself to Rent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I honestly love Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I... Loved the film for a long time, and when I saw it live with the touring production, um, I that was one of the greatest like live experiences I've ever had. It was really, really an experience.
2: I like the music quite a bit, Mm -hmm. at least certain songs a lot. I like that glam style. It's more more the style of the music than anything though. I I I've never I don't really analyze it too deeply lyrically and when I do I I start to not like it as much. Like this show is very vulgar and
1: frank in its description of many things like sex as well as like surgical procedures. And here's one of the greatest or the strangest things about the adaptation. It is a very faithful adaptation from stage to screen. But the stage version was like a monologue between um, the audience and Hedwig just describing her life story in basically narration. And when it's said, it's very frank and it's very funny as if it's a character. But when you see it performed, it just has this grittiness to it that feels like, ooh, I don't know, I don't know if I should be watching this. It,
2: it makes you feel like you need to take a shower.
1: Yeah. And the film does things to like really drive that home like the film stock that they shoot on is very grainy so that you get that like gritty i need a shower feeling as well there's they. it was a conscious
2: choice as well as like the way that they shoot them when they're at
1: the restaurants like through the salad bar sneeze tray
2: i'm not into that whole punk culture at all and i i would describe this whole thing as very very punk not necessarily in music although some of the music is very early punk style but like the story is incredibly punk rock that's just something i've never really been into i'm, I'm not into that i'm very I, I like clean stuff i like fun stuff and but it's not like this show is devoid of fun it, it's not devoid of fun no um it's just fun in the i'm gonna get drunk and mosh kind of fun <laughs> and i've never done that
1: <laughs> now that we got our initial feelings out andrew why don't you describe the plot of hedwig and the angry inch because that shouldn't take very
2: long. It's pretty simple. Is it? Are we counting the flashbacks or are we just telling the basic story?
1: Telling the basic story of Because with plot. the
2: flashbacks, I think it's considerably more... Complicated. Without the flashbacks, it's just about a rock singer on tour who is pretty much just following a bigger rock star's tour um, because they're jealous because they stole the songs.
1: Well, they have a history. Hedwig and this singer has a history, and Hedwig taught this gentleman. You learn that in
2: flashbacks, though.
1: Yeah, but that's it. She also tells people that, like, he stole my music because I taught him how to play, and we wrote the songs together, and now he's claiming all my music is his. And since he's a cisgendered pretty white boy, he gets all the success instead of me... um, this weird in-between mix queer gender. Yeah,
2: well I mean if you go out on stage and you're talking about how your sex operation was botched and tell it in, in graphic detail people aren't going to want to listen to that. I don't know I like Angry Inch, that's a great song Uh, sure, change the lyrics up make it a little more, uh, a little more presentable for the public and I would definitely listen to that. Well the thing
1: is, and <laughs> a lot of like heavy, like rock music like that, you don't hear the lyrics, you just hear the beat and like most of that Like I think they clear this up just a little bit for like the film as well as the 2014 production, so that you can understand it because it is plot centric. But there could there's a lot of rock songs that you just don't hear the lyrics to because of that.
2: Uh, not not usually as graphic as this, (laughs) except for punk. In punk, that is a thing. Like in punk, you got songs like "Suck My Ass It Smells," uh, that kind of stuff, you know. And and that's hilarious, but I don't like it. But
1: Hedwig, it was born in East. Um, was it East or West Berlin? He was on the bad side uh, of Berlin. Whoa, whoa, bad side. <laughs> Which side are you on, Jess? The, the side you couldn't get out of without getting shot. The good side. So Hedwig was a little boy named Hansel in East Berlin, living with his mom, and then an American GI named Luther found him and said, "Man, you're so fine.
2: Yeah, in the in the movie portrayed uh, portrayed by Steve Harvey, uh, <laughs> he, he does look way too much like Steve Harvey. A lot like Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey didn't maybe. St-
1: This was before Steve Harvey made that his look, so maybe Steve Harvey stole it from Hedwig and the Angry Inch.
2: Yeah, he's like, you know that guy that's, like, really creepy? Yeah.
1: Luther wants to marry Hansel as a woman, and that's the only way to get Hansel out of Berlin into America. So his mom forces him to get a sex change to wear a wig and become Luther's wife. But that doesn't go all that well, because it gets botched, and he is left with a one-inch mound of flesh where his penis used to be that he now calls his Angry Inch. Oh, good God. As soon as he gets to America, Luther leaves him, <laughs> and, he fi- and he finally figures out, you know what, I'm going to own this. I'm going to be the woman that I have to be concealed don't feel don't let them know and then he meets tommy gnosis who then was called tommy Speck. and they grow a relationship until tommy discovers hedwig is what she is and tour of both of them go on chasing one another until they eventually meet up again and try to reconcile their relationship to mild success
2: i think you uh you forgot to mention that the berlin wall falls like literally the next day <laughs>
1: <laughs> the next day after he gets to America, the mm-hmm. dick gets cut off, all of that Berlin fall come, wall comes down. Coulda Coulda could have done everything. His mom's like in paradise, loving it, and he's just stuck there in a shitty trailer park ditched by her husband. Now, unlike a lot of trans characters like Angel and many others, this was not a willing participant into the transgender transition. This was someone that was had it forced on them by the situation. Now, does that mean that they're not trans? I think I've heard Jan Ca- J- John Cameron Mitchell describe it as he was a gay man who was forced to have a sex change and now he's left in between male and female not knowing where he fits. A headwig is a gender of
2: one. It's a very sad situation. Hedwig is a very unsympathetic character for a good majority of the story. Uh, I wouldn't say unsympathetic. There's only one part I can think of where they're like, actually, like, I can't even really understand why they're doing this kind of thing. And I think that's only in the movie. That's only in the movie, right?
1: Well, in the show, it's more like he, she is openly insulting to the entire band members and Yitzhak, especially, who is a drag queen who Hedwig makes dress up as a man because he, he, she wants to be the only woman in the band, basically. In the show, it specifically says, you can join me and you can be in my band, but you can never let another wig touch your head. You are not allowed to be a drag queen anymore. You are the man in my band now. Uh,
2: don't don't do that, Hedwig. Well, basically,
1: it's asserting the same control that Luther had over her in that situation over another person. Like I get to tell you what you can be, the same way someone told me what I had to be. Hedwig is on this constant search for her other half because she basically believes in the plato symposium of there being three creatures once upon a time one that looked like two men squished together one that looked like two women squished together and one that looked like a man and a woman squished together and then zeus tore them all apart and they're constantly trying to find their other halves and since hedwig is a gender of one neither woman or a man where does she fit into that belief system that she has
2: why did she adopt that belief system
1: Well, she adopted it because it was the story that her mother told her when they were in bed together. Like, that That was was a bedtime story.
2: Well, they have two metaphors for the same sort of things. They also do Adam and Eve, where Eve is from Adam's rib or whatever. They do both of those, which kind of have the same meaning, I guess.
1: So, as the evening progresses, Hedwig grows more erratic and crazy until she basically has a breakdown at the end, getting the success that she craves so much in the film, um, and then just having a mental breakdown on stage in front of everyone revealing in the show that her and Tommy were one. Basically they are the people that were meant to be standing in front of each other. And then they sing this power ballad called midnight radio and nobody understands what's going on, but you just feel the power of it. So is she Tommy? I was a little confused by that. In the show they're played by the same person. Tommy exists, but they're the same person because they're two halves of the same whole.
2: Tommy does exist. But then Hedwig becomes Tommy.
1: Well, in the film, like even when they were planning on making the film, they had originally intended um, John Cameron Mitchell to play both Hedwig and Tommy like they do in the musical. But then they felt like you would lose a lot of like the charisma and back and forth between the actors that way. So they just made it two actors. I get you. They are two halves of the same whole that the Plato Symposium represents. So what's the moral in the end? The moral is basically stated by Tommy, which is, stop putting all your faith into like this pre-assigned story like um you are what you are and you're more than a woman or a man there's nothing you can find that
2: cannot be found but if tommy turns out to be the other half does that not mean that it is actually true that there is another half
1: well that's kind of the question it is left vague but it's him saying like don't live your life by that even though like obviously we are that and it's basically Tommy asking for forgiveness. Like, basically the ending message is there's no God.
2: <laughs> Same message as Rainbow Connection. I, I do not see the... That in this, and I don't see that in Rainbow Connection either.
1: I mean, it literally says there is no mystical design, no cosmic lover pre-assigned. There's nothing you can find that cannot be found. Just because
2: things aren't predetermined doesn't mean there's no
1: God. (laughs) I was just a boy, but you were so much more than any God could ever plan, more than a woman or a man. And maybe there's nothing up in the sky but air.
2: Or maybe we're just glorifying a horrifically botched surgical operation that should not have been performed.
1: Well, if it's your life, of course you would glorify it. You'd have to try to find meaning in it.
2: It turns out that they are the person that they were stalking. They are two <laughs> halves of the same being. I I don't get that. I I just I really don't because like Tommy, she doesn't even like Tommy anymore. Tommy stole all of her music and then she was stalking him. And it's just it if that's the message, that just seems weird and creepy, which I, it's not even what I got out of it. It's just you get I don't know. It? I don't
1: get I want I want to know what you think the story is or what the message is. I don't think
2: there is a message. <laughs> what? Like I don't know. I, d- I just don't understand where they were going with the ending. I get the ending with the secondary character where they give him the wig and they're like, oh, you can be yourself. Um, and then they take off their wig. and I release you from my control. Yeah, and then they take off their wig. And that I think that was symbolic of like, I don't have to pretend to be this person anymore. But then they become Tommy and that's when it stopped making sense. Like, what do you mean?
1: Because it is a division between yourself, much like the Berlin Wall was dividing the two sections of Berlin, um, the the lightning that cut through to the two people divides these humans.
2: Yes, I get that. I understand that. I don't understand why she becomes Tommy at the end, though. I don't see the connection. Because that was her soulmate. Like, it's creepy if that's the message, because she's basically a stalker of Tommy, and Tommy wants nothing to do with her. And on top of that, Tommy's an asshole. <laughs> Well, Tommy is basically
1: a symbol by the end of the film. And okay, especially that, in the I stage mean, show, because he never shows up until he is revealed to be Hedwig at the end.
2: In the movie, he's a very real person who is clearly not the same person as Hedwig. Maybe the movie fucked this up for me. Maybe that's what it is. Because maybe in the stage show, it's, it makes more logical sense. Because maybe in the stage show, it's like Tommy's not actually real and it's just her alter ego or something. But in, in the movie, Tommy is a real person who betrayed her and stole her music and is kind of a dick
1: in the film they show you the tattoo of like one half of the plato symposium on hedwig they show you that early on when he's like sleeping naked then they show it again at the end and it is a complete hole as he's walking off into the street androgynous
2: and naked yes i no i'm not arguing with you on that i get that i don't understand why she becomes tommy that's what i'm trying to say i don't understand that why does she become Tommy? Shouldn't the complete whole just represent her accepting herself and not becoming Tommy?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. I feel like the film and the show kind of have a different interpretation
2: depending on how you the see film, it. The film, I feel like, dropped the ball on that last part because they made Tommy a real person. I, I don't know. It just confuses the, at least that aspect of the ending. The rest of the ending, I get. I get what they're trying to go for, for the, the like, you know, accept yourself, uh, don't let anyone tell you who to be that's all great and i mean i've seen that message in the muppets before so i mean that's all cool uh but then then it's like but also become the person you're stalking (laughs) okay well Uh, maybe
1: it's like discovering who (laughs) i want to be and it's more it leans more to tommy than it does to a drag queen which is why he gives up the wig but
2: does she really want to be tommy she wants to be her own version of that, or the androgynous version of herself. I don't know. I think we've gone too long on this, and I, I don't think I have a clear answer. I guess maybe, maybe the interpretation is that it's she doesn't actually become Tommy in the movie. She just t- adopts the makeup, because I mean, technically, she did design the makeup, anyways. So
1: well, she gets the the gnosis sign, the knowledge sign on her. So maybe she knows something.
2: Well, I hope she tells me. <laughs>
1: John Cameron Mitchell, come on our show. Explain the show to us. Explain the movie to us. I mean, I love it, but I don't always
2: understand this show. I will say that. And I, I want to talk about the music more than I want to talk about the plot. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible Audible. is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com. It's free! Slash musicals with cheese and browse the unmatched selection of Audible audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. That easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese to get started today.
1: That's the name of the podcast, yo. Why Audible? Audible content includes unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. You know what book I'm going to suggest, Andrew? What book are you going to suggest? I'm going to suggest Neil Patrick Harris, Choose Your Own Autobiography by Neil Patrick Harris and read by Neil Patrick Harris because he starred in the original Broadway cast of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I bet you he discusses it in his book. Not really. I think he wrote the book before he did that. Well, tell him to make a sequel or tell him to release some DLC for it. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese for your free audiobook. Alright, let's get back to the show fellas.
2: Opening number sounds a lot like uh, "Living After Midnight" by Judas Priest, so I liked it.
1: It's a great way to open it up. It's like gets you in the energy. It's upbeat.
2: They have that the once the one lyric right before the the uh, chorus though is like exactly from "Living After Midnight." I forget what the words are in the show, but it's the melody, dun, 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 dun. and then they go into something else. I think "Living After Midnight," and then I forget how they do it in. This one, it was very, very close to it. In this
1: song, Hedwig compares herself to the Berlin Wall, like this this giant crack in between both sides of Berlin, much like she's the giant crack between woman and
2: man. Jess, did you just say giant crack before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this shows a lot let it go. of metaphors. You this shows let a let lot of metaphors. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna let that go. No.
1: Yeah, that is Hedwig shows that. Re- Right away, she is the Berlin Wall. She represents the divide between East and West slavery and freedom, man and woman top and bottom.
2: You can't tear her down. Except for you can tear down the Berlin Wall. And by the end of the show, they do tear Hedwig down as well. That's
1: kind of the point. Like, she is the Berlin Wall that is slowly tore down by the end until she figures out what she is and East Berlin is unified again.
2: Not just East Berlin, West Berlin as well.
1: Berlin is unified again.
2: No, uh, this song is pretty good. It's a good opening because it just it immediately gets you into the uh, gets into it, and there's instantly metaphors. Gotta get your
1: notebook down so you can start taking notes, figuring out what start the metaphors what it
2: all means. I, I did have to listen to each song twice to actually understand the whole show. Uh, to be fully honest,
1: why? That's why, why is I that? listen.
2: Because uh, I actually didn't even get the metaphor of this song because before the show starts, you don't know what it's about, so the metaphor in this doesn't make sense yet. (laughs) So I had to go back and listen to it again to understand it.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's not like the most subtle metaphor. She is literally holding up sides of the Berlin Wall as like a
2: cape. No, I mean, I, I... I got that part of it, but there's a lot of songs about the Berlin Wall and you don't necessarily know what she means by I am the Berlin Wall until you know what the show's about.
1: So this is the show that you um, Recommend multiple watches to because it, you want to be able to understand it all maybe multiple listens Yeah, it is a really good cast recording like I really be, I am partial stuff to that the I'd, Neil Patrick
2: Harris one I think there's a lot of stuff in this that I would have rather listened to than have seen <laughs>
1: So you probably would have preferred the stage musical where it's just a long monologue. It's a stand-up comedy routine with a little bit of a breakdown at the end and songs intermittently shoved in.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say I don't recommend the movie as far as that. There's just a lot of stuff that's just kind of gross that I'd rather not watch.
1: Hey, it gives you a visceral reaction. They taught me in film school that means you're emotionally involved. Because if you're having any reaction, negative, positive, like without it being, like, an actual quality issue, then you are invested.
2: I know. That's why shock films are so good. Everyone loves shock films. This
1: same teacher was one that really, like, d- was, like, talking the praises of genre films like Gremlins and Fright Night and all that, too. So he he was one of the more interesting screenwriting teachers I've ever had. I don't know. I would, he taught I would this lesson this... after one of the girls cried because we watched The Fly in class. Oh, Which version? Um, the Jeff
2: Goldblum one. <laughs> That's a great movie. Yeah, but it's intense. <laughs> Why are you going to film school if you can't handle a horror movie? Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I would compare this movie to something like um, like Old Boy, where it's like that kind of gross. But it's still very good. Old Boy is great. Old Boy is fantastic, and I'm sure for the correct audience, this would play very well. Um, I am the wrong audience. Every subject in this... If you've listened to our show before, you know that these are all subjects that I don't enjoy. <laughs>
1: Andrew, literally, after we wa- he watched this, sent me a text like, can we do something like She Loves Me or the Music Man again?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fan of these heavily sexually graphic type things. Um, I don't like people getting their dicks cut off, uh, believe it or not. Masculinity is so fragile. Please whine about me online uh but yeah i don't like that <laughs> i think it's mostly because you imagine it happening and you kind of like have that like
1: mental sensation feeling
2: yeah well i i don't like it i i've i've seen the movie uh hard candy uh not one i'm a fan of uh, <laughs> would not watch that again so Andrew uh... <laughs>
1: just wants laughs and chuckles he wants every film he wants watches to be the muppets <laughs>
2: You know what, I wouldn't mind that But that's not necessarily what I mean But yeah, this, this sort of subject matter And I guess musical crowds love this stuff So they eat it up
1: And then fire shot down From the sky in balls Like shining blades of a night And it
0: ripped right through the flesh Of the children of the sun
1: Origin of Love is Hedwig's I Want song, basically telling the entire story of Plato's Symposium, which is two men, two women, a man, and a woman, all being their own specific creatures, then tore apart by Zeus, and for the rest of all time, we are searching for that other half
2: and figuring out who it is for us. And it's a really good song. It's a great song. It's definitely not my favorite song in it but it's not bad i think an argument
1: can be made that any song can be your favorite in this and i would have a hard time fighting people
2: on it i think the only thing i don't like about this song is it's a little bit i don't know it's a little wordy i guess they they need to really explain the whole metaphor i felt like the other metaphor that they used the adam and eve one was better And it was more simple? Yeah,
1: but that's heteronormative, and it, it would be really difficult to justify that with, like,
2: someone as out there as Hedwig. I mean, isn't the origin of love heteronormative as well?
1: No. Man and man, woman and woman,
2: man and woman. You got three. The other half doesn't have to be the literal person you were split across from, or is that actually what they mean? Yes, that's what they mean. Oh, There should be a lot more gay people then. Two-thirds of the population should be gay.
1: But then again, they aren't saying they're evenly split. There's probably a little bit more of the creatures of the Earth. Like, there's probably more of them, and the other two were also there, but limited numbers. They didn't specify the population of them. They just said they existed. I mean, the animations were really good in the movie, and they
2: are used very well in the show as well. Although, uh, I don't know how they were projecting onto a black sheet. We all know that's not possible. You have to project on white sheets.
0: Hey, sugar daddy,
1: I'm so need some sugar in his bowl. I'll lay out fine china on the linen and polish up the chrome. If you've got some sugar for me sugar daddy bring it
2: home you want to talk about sugar daddy or are you <laughs> this song's kind of fun in the movie they go for more of a country feel with this song whereas with with the neil patrick harris version you sent me it's more of just more straight rock
1: like more glam rock and i actually prefer the glam rock version than the country version i do though... as well the the
2: country version i did not like nearly as much. Well. hey sugar daddy hansel needs some sugar in his
0: bowl Find china linen and polish of the chrome. If you got some sugar, me, sugar daddy, bring it
1: home. It's a low, it's low, like, energy.
2: It feels like a lull. Absolutely, and it doesn't really fit the band style that they're going for. This is like a punk rock band or a glam rock band at the very least, and then they're playing a country song, like, that's not gonna happen.
1: It's hard to justify, like, the car wash movement when it's, like, such a low energy song, and they made it a lot better in the more recent production where they pumped it up, made it much more energy driven.
2: I think one of my favorite things in, in this song and a lot of the other songs in the movie is just that the entire audience watching is so disinterested.
1: Well, I think that Headwood could fail a, uh decent sized auditorium but since they're following tommy and they really are keen on getting it right next door to him they get like these shitty like coney islands and stuff that they have to play in.
2: yeah it's just like they're in like some like a uh, restaurant and everyone's just trying to eat and in this like weirdo is performing and it's like okay i feel really bad for everyone in the audience when they play when they play angry inch and uh and everyone's trying to eat. Ah, uh, yeah. Th- like, if I had tomato soup, I'd just, like, not eat it. It's like, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> Bye.
1: With my legs it was my first so angry inch is a hard hard rock song that drives your energy and it comes right at the point where hedwig gets the sex change operation
2: well that's when they play it i'm assuming they play this set at every show yes yes
1: yes <laughs> i think it's gross <laughs> But you don't like the, like, like, I think the lyrics are actually pretty good, like, my sex change operation got botched, my guardian angel fell asleep at the watch, now I am left with a Barbie doll crotch, I got an angry inch. Like, I like that, like, wordplay.
2: It reminds me of something, like, the Sex Pistols would sing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't like that kind of graphic. It's too much for me. The music is, it sounds like a Sex Pistols song, and again, I'm not really that into punk rock. It's all right. See, uh, it's a song that I turn on to rock out in my car just so I can scream on my way to work. I got plenty of songs I can do that to.
1: Yeah, but how many in the musical theater landscape do you think there are aside from this, unless you're listening to fucking, like, the Green Day musical?
2: That exists?
1: (laughs) Yeah, American Idiot.
2: I didn't think that would be real. When are we doing that one?
1: (laughs) (laughs) As soon as I muster the courage to talk about it. Green Day. Uh, I yeah. can't
2: wait to talk about Basket Case So you're not a fan of Angry Inch just because of the content and the song style? I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the entire song, I think, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I pulled on some makeup Some love and baker And pull the wig down from
1: the shelf Suddenly I'm Miss Beehive 1968 Let's
2: move on to "Wig in a Box." I love this song. Why do you love "Wig in a Box" so much? It's a, uh, it's much more like toned down in terms of content, and it like I li- I actually like what it's about. It's like, oh, I have to pretend, I'm gonna pretend to be somebody today. Who am I gonna be? Uh, and it's got the the David Bowie style, which is nice. I think it's like
1: goofy. Like we needed some goof
2: factor in the
1: like midpoint
2: of the show. What's so goofy about it? How you got like the any... sing-along ball going Yeah, that's fun How is this any more goofy than a song about fucking how you don't have a dick <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's not goofy, that's something traumatic that happened And sometimes you just need to rage out about it and get like your emotions out But what puts this one above all the rest? It's uh, the one I
2: had the most fun with The fates are vicious think i have a huge amount to say about this but if you do
1: so this is hedwig's basically the song that she claims to have written for a boy to sing and it's more or less the love song between her and tommy gnosis their connective tissue song
2: this song sound i when i was listening to it it felt like i've heard this song before but then again a lot of the songs in this kind of sound like that because i think they're going for a style right so but pastiche yes yeah. So, like, a lot of times when you go for something like that, you end up just ripping off a bunch of pop songs. But
1: and you see, this is the last like really, really good song until the very end because it's a lot of plot until Lift you get to the. And then. It- Finally, Hedwig is on his own, figuring it out, and he sings Midnight Radio, an androgynous like power ballad where he gives Yitzhak the power to choose who she wants to be on her own, and he realizes I am whole without needing someone else. And Midnight Radio is just a fucking incredible song, and I love it. It's my favorite. He loves
2: it so much.
1: I do. This song is just an incredible release. Well, I think we've talked about all the songs. Let's talk really quickly about the film itself.
2: So I thought there's one thing that really stands out to me and that I thought didn't work, and it has to do with the rent thing that I brought up earlier. Right. um, Which is the time of this film. Like, when does this take place? Because part of it wants to be in the 70s, and then part of it wants to be in the 90s, it feels like. And I'm not sure when the show is supposed to take place, but... The show takes place at contemporary with whenever it's being played. Okay. I don't think that makes sense then. Because it shouldn't. Why? Well number one, there's a flashback to an actual event that happened at a certain time. Right. Probably should know this, but when the fuck did the Berlin Wall fall? 1991, although the d- the divide ended, I think, in the 89, in 89. So, so early 90s. I think what's what's odd is that the music is all 70s, mm-hmm. and then the band well, is dressed like... like they're in the 70s, and then... Well, sorry. But it takes place in, like, the 90s or 2000s. Which,
1: yes, but that's only because that's the music that Haywood grew up with in the 70s in her oven as set up. Iggy Pop, David Bowie...
2: Yes. ...Anne Murray. Which makes sense... What doesn't make sense, though, is Tommy steals all the music and becomes popular with that music, which would not happen. Like, if anyone has been around during the 90s or 2000s, which maybe our fan base is not, but uh, that music was not popular at all in in that time period. Pray tell what music was. Grunge. They even referenced Nirvana in this, in the movie. They're like, oh, that song is by Kurt Cobain. He's going to go somewhere, right? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems it seems to be a little bit mismatched in that regard. Um, also, the drastic inclusion of Rent. <laughs> Rent was everywhere in the 90s, though. But it seems like this show in particular shouldn't be referencing Rent because it's just, it's so similar to Rent. You don't want to really bring that up in your own film. <laughs>
1: Well, Rent is kind of the corporate Hedwig. Like, Hedwig was never going to get a huge, huge response until, like, when it did in 2014. Like, and Rent is like...
2: It's, it's, Are you sure? Hed- I feel like yeah. it
1: totally could have. It totally could have so. gotten this response. Like, for the same reasons that you don't like it, because of uh, the very frank description of the transgender...
2: I mean, yeah, but at the same time, they have the same sort of themes in Rent, and it got popular for that reason.
1: Yeah, but you still got the heteros in the lead, and the main, like, love story is the heterosexual one. If you've got, like, a transgender and a cisgender boy, all the fucking white-haired... Folk are gonna grab their pearls.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see why it wouldn't be as popular. I guess just with, but I guess because I, I feel like I'm so disconnected. I, I feel, I guess I think that maybe they would have found it good because they found Rent so good, and I didn't like Rent either. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you like better, Rent or this? This, no, no contest, okay. no contest. <laughs> so, on all the, on all the things that we've covered, where does this fit into the I, ranking? I don't know, right in the middle. <laughs> right near
1: falsettos <laughs> right near falsettos and next to normal
2: yep yeah, probably right with those three <laughs> group them all together as as those shows that I probably should like but I don't do you rank merrily alongside that or is that higher or lower no merrily is definitely higher I liked merrily did I, not li- did I say I didn't like that you didn't seem like you overwhelmingly loved it you said it was good <laughs> I thought that was an actually a pretty fun show <laughs> how about I
1: naturally transition to talking about audible today's show is brought to you by audible Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash cheese. All right, Andrew, what is your cheese rating and overall thoughts on Hedwig and the Angry
2: Inch? Um, well, it's got to be that string cheese that's like two different types of cheese in one little block. You know what I'm talking about? You get the string cheese and it's like half mozzarella and half cheddar. You know what I'm talking about, correct? You know, string cheese is decent, but then you eat too much of it and you feel sick. I don't I don't like covering these shows because I always feel like I don't like them for reasons that aren't, that it's a bad, like, it's a bad show. It's just all personal reasons. And I guess that's kind of what the show's about, but I always feel bad doing it. Because it's like, I don't think this is a bad show, it's just there's stuff in it that I don't like. <laughs> um, So, like, this and falsettos. Uh, falsettos, though, I kind of did. I think I was more fair to that one because I I didn't actually hate the content in that one as much. It was more just um. It was more just that the show was feel, felt disconnected, and I think I was fair to that one honestly. But he's been so unfair to Hedwig. I'm not someone who has ever dealt with any of the things that this show is about. You know, I, I don't have... But do you have to experience things
1: to have the empathy f- to other people and other characters who are? Maybe. <laughs> like, you've never held a lightsaber. You can't relate to that, but you can relate to Luke I character. have held
2: lightsabers before, excuse me, okay? I, me and my friends had all those toy lightsabers. I think it's different. With something like this, this is speaking to... Um, this is speaking specifically to uh, teenagers that are struggling with themselves... And I've never been one of those people. (laughs) It's the same reason I don't like punk rock. I never listened to Green Day. I never had a My Chemical Romance phase. (laughs) You know, it's just I, I don't I don't understand that stuff.
1: Hashtag he just doesn't get it. All right. I love Hedwig and the Angry Inch. It's probably one of the most enjoyable shows I've ever seen live. It is a great adrenaline rush. It's hilarious if you're seeing it live with a great actor. Really I highly recommend it. Um, I, if, I'd if i prefer that you see it live on stage because it is a much more fun experience, but the film is a much more emotionally gratifying and like introspective experience. So I think I'd give it like a slice of cheese that's been cut in half and put into different fridges, and then they have to find each other again and put themselves back together.
2: Oh yeah, I also want to say that the show version sounds like something I might like more, whereas I watch the film version. Um,
1: yeah the show is much funnier like actively a comedy
2: so i I almost feel like it might have been unfair that i've only watched the film as well um so take that into account on top of that
1: if you guys really want us to redo this after andrew has watched the show we might be willing to do it yeah um all right (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese, our Twitter, at Cheesy Musicals. We're on Patreon. Donate us a dollar or two. Musicals with Cheese. Instagram, Musicals with Cheese. YouTube page, Musical Theater Lives. Shoot us an email at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our title card was created by the amazing Jolene Casco. Follow her on Instagram at Jolene Casco. So, this was a lot of fun, Andrew. How'd you like it?
2: I don't know. I feel like I could have been a little a little better. I think I could have done better. What do you think, Jess? I think that every week.
1: All right, we'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Oh, that was a disaster. Yeah?